And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane. We're here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona and what is going on with this spring. We've got uh, things are late. They are waking up late, although it seems like this week everything decided to uh, just take off all at once. And so the Forsythia are just glorious. Oh, my goodness. The purple leaf plums, they've been in bloom for two, 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 three weeks, depending on what elevation you're at. Uh, they're starting to put their purple foliage on, which is beautiful. That pink flower against the purple foliage is magnificent. It'll hold that purple foliage right through the growing season. And then next eh, October, first part of November, they'll start to go into fall color. And their fall color is purple. It's a purple leaf plum. That's kind of what you're going to get year round. So the white one you're seeing right now, it is stunning in full bloom. That is a Bradford pear or flowering pear. Uh, there's quite a few different flowering pears. They all kind of are similar. So Bradford's the old-fashioned one. You've got Chanticleer, Capital, Aristocrat, and I'm sure there's other Jack pears. There's quite a few others. They're all, they don't put pear or fruits on. They're just pretty in the spring with these white flowers. They've got this beautiful uh, um, uh, kind of a, a silver dollar size leaf that's glossy, deep, rich green. Very good shade tree. And then it's the last tree to turn red in the fall of the year. And so it's just got a lot going on for it. If you're in a zone six, seven, eight, it's just fantastic. It's a great uh, shade kind of tree. And it's not so overpowering that uh, it takes over your whole yard. And so it's a good medium size shade tree that blooms in the spring, flowering pear. And so it'll get up maybe 35 feet tall. Whereas a sycamore, a cottonwood, a willow, they're like 70, 80 or plus feet tall. They're huge. And so sometimes they're too big for smaller yards. Uh, so you need, this is a better one. Uh, a purple leaf plum, I mentioned that. I should mention the size. That one's going to get up 20 feet. Yeah, high teens. So it's a small tree. It's an ornamental tree. That is, it doesn't actually put on plums, so a purple leaf plum. It doesn't put fruits on, or rarely does, but it's just made to be a beautiful vase-shaped tree that's an accent in the yard that you go down a driveway off a patio, accented the back corner of a, a, back, a tight backyard. That's where it's beautiful. I tell you where I design purple leaf plums into when I'm helping clients here at, at Waters Garden Center. I will actually place those in between like native trees. They look really good, that purple in between, let's say the blue of, of, a, of a, a native oak tree, an emery oak or a scrub oak. It's quite striking. It's like a little oasis in between the, the manzanitas. It's a, the, the ceanothus, that wild toniaster. It just pops up and goes, look, I'm alive. This yard is vibrant and beautiful. Don't you want to live here? Well, the answer is yes. And I'll sip a glass of wine while I'm watching the sunset. The butterfly is going by. That's how you design well in amongst the, the native boulders, the native shrubs. Uh, we call that oasis gardening. So as you feather out into the yard, it's rough. It's, it's native. It's kind of scrubby looking sometimes. As you get closer to your gardens where you enjoy your gardens, you are you create the, the, the more lush 
things, the things that might take a little more care, a little more water, a little more nutrients, but it's beautiful. So it's like a you know, little oasis around your back patio as you're looking at that so that vista off your back deck. You bring things in tighter that are, that's where you put your flowers. That's where you put your vegetable gardens. It's closer, so it's easier to get to, easier to water, and it just feels good. And then as you go feather out against into that native yard, then you go, then you kind of go in with the scrub oaks and the pinion pines and the ponderosas and the junipers. So there's a way to design that. And that's what we do. Basically, we come to work and I'm giddy. When I get really stressed, I go out on the sales floor and I just kind of go, how can I help you design? Because it's fun. So it's just in my head, it's, a, it's an artistic exercise. Going, how, do, how can I help customers plug, the, make their yard beautiful? and easier to grow. So there's a technique to it. Why are things a little late coming out? Because it's just been downright cold. And so the temperature is one of the variables that your plants use to go, I'm not quite ready to wake up yet. They, they're, they've got some triggers that kind of go, oh, it's still too cold. And it's their sap is not flowing. It's just it, they're in stasis. And so all of a sudden it got up to 70 degrees and it just went, the sap started flowing. The, the roots are now taking things up and it just erupts with flowers, erupts with foliage. Things just happen really quick. If things haven't quite started yet in your yard, give it time. It's still very early. Things, some things are very late to wake up. Crate myrtles have no interest whatsoever in spring. They, they want summer. They want it to be 100 degrees. They like that. They want it to be warm and hot. They're going to sit there without foliage going, I am just not warm enough. I'm not doing this yet. Have you got to relatives? Like it's uh, 80 degrees out. And they still have a parka on. Well, that's what a crepe myrtle is. That's what a, a, a smoke tree, a desert willow. There's a whole series of summer plants. Russian sage has no interest in coming out yet. So it's waiting, it's sitting in, it's in the corner of the, of the gardens going, I'm just too cold yet. The other one that triggers plants, that, that ignites them, is how long the days are. And so as the days get longer and longer, so every day you're adding about three and a half minutes in the morning, three and a half in the afternoon, about seven minutes a day, the, the days get longer. And so plants know, oh, once I see it bright enough, long enough, I think I'll start to thinking about waking up. And so as the days get longer, they will actually wake up more. And so the other one is soil temperature. And this one, we don't really um, think about that often. When the soil is cold and wet and soggy and it's just still frozen, plants are not going to wake up. Their feet are cold. So you might be able to sunbathe in a in a, in a snow pile. Uh, but if, you're, if your feet are in the cold, in the ice, in an ice bucket, you're going to be cold. Well, those, your plants are the same way. They, they don't mind sunbathing up top, but when their feet are stuck in cold ground, they're going to, they're going to wait till the sun warms up that earth and then it will start taking off. So you've got soil temperature, how long the days are, how, how warm it is. And it's not really warm during the day. It's how warm the nights are. That's what plants are counting on. When the nights are warm enough, they're going, eh, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go now. Now, some plants, they don't take that long. They kind of go, yeah, I'm good. Good enough. It's 55 degrees out. Let's go. And those are things like your crocus, daffodils, peony, 
carnations, pansies. There's a whole series of spring bloomers that just, they love, they like cold soil. They like cold nights. They like short days. They're happy with spring. You want to plant those things in the spring. Summer things, you know, wait, you don't feel pressured. You know, right now, the lilacs, they're kind of this in-between. They'll, they'll wait a little bit till we get into spring, but they're they're not quite happy with, they don't want to bloom in the summer. They like this transition. So they're starting to bloom right now. In fact, if you wanted to shop for lilacs, this is your time because you can see the color on the foliage. You can see the color on the flowers. You can smell the buds as they open up. The negative is, as soon as a lilac opens up here at the garden center, it sells like that. I mean, we're talking, it opens this morning. It'll be on a shopping cart in two hours, just like that. But you kind of get a feel for it. You're starting to see them really take off. So roses came in this week. Beautiful roses. Fragrant roses came in this week. And so they, these are ones that they've been leafing out really since late February for the last month, four, six weeks. They've been going. Well, now we've got some from the farm. They're in full bloom. And they're just exciting. They kind of announce spring. They kind of go, it's here. That's a reason things are a little delayed. Don't lose your head if your plants have not quite woken up yet. I, I'm encouraging you folks, fertilize them, water them, and then wait, wait till at least to the end of the month. Wait before you rip them up out of the ground. And, and I want to sell you a new plant. But I would still encourage you before you rip your yard up, just see if it'll wake up, fertilize the water and see what happens in a couple of weeks. You'll know pretty quick. Okay, that's it for this segment. Be right back with Lisa Waters Lane with your garden questions right after this. <music> 